0: Hello, it is Wednesday, March 24th. I'm Trent Reinsmith and this is another edition of the daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Things have been pretty busy as of late. Uh, I don't remember the last time I didn't do a a daily edition, so good. Keeps me busy. Keeps my chops uh, up and uh, hopefully folks are, you know, getting something out of this other than annoyed with me. But Folks are doing that as well, but I've had that experience my entire life, so not a surprise. Let's talk about Justin Gaethje. I think it was last week or earlier this week, there was some talk about Gaethje facing Michael Chandler in his next outing. That kind of fell apart when Habib officially retired and the title became vacated. And the UFC then announced Oliveira and Chandler as the title fight. I I'm not the biggest fan of that fight. Uh, I thought it should and think it should be Poye and Oliveira. But I'm going to guess that Poirier is putting his focus on the McGregor re- um, trilogy fight, and that fight will probably pay him more than the title fight and I guess if he figures he's going to win that fight which why wouldn't he figure that because that's what fighters do. I'm sure McGregor thinks the same. And then the winner of that I'm going to bet is going to end up fighting whoever ends up being the, the lightweight champion between Oliveira and Chandler. One man who is not really feeling it right now is is Gaethje because he expected, you know, something. If not the Chandler fight, I think he expected that he would be in line for the title fight. Chandler's coming over that off of that uh, quick win over Dan Hooker. Gaethje's coming off of a pretty one-sided beatdown from Nurmagomedov. Chandler has probably the hype behind him more so because the UFC's investment in him is more recent, and so they want to cash in on that investment, uh, and and I think that's why he got the title fight. That's not to say the hooker fight, the hooker win was something to, to yeah. cough at. It was not. It was a pretty remarkable finish, and I don't think anyone really saw that happening, so the investment, the hype, the timing, all works in Chandler's favor in this, and we'll see how it shakes out, um, but Gaethje does not know where he sits, and I'm going to agree with him. I don't know where Gaethje sits either now. And he spoke to Full Reptile about this, and when asked about that, he said, who knows, man, I can't talk about it a lot right now. I'm sure me talking about it in the past is the reason I'm here. Who knows? Maybe I pissed someone off. I don't know. All I know is since I was 12 or 13 years old, I listened to Dana White do interviews and explain what he wanted in a fighter, and I'm that mother effer. This, the, and this kind of goes along with what I spoke about yesterday in, in Jim Miller. Is Justin Gaethje the kind of fighter that the UFC wants? 100%. He is a guy like Jim Miller who's going to go out there and go for the finish. There's nothing else on Justin Gaethje's mind but the finish. And if he gets it, perfect. If he doesn't get it, he was trying to get it, and that's how he lost. There's no, there's no question, there's no question that, be, and Justin Gaethje and Jim Miller have that kind of thinking, and are the kind of fighters the UFC wants to see, and now you have another fighter like Miller. Yesterday, I spoke about in Gaethje, who sees if you play the game, sometimes it just doesn't work out for you, and this is another indication of how the ufc treats its fighters that it has under contract and who have been with the promotion for quite some time not so good you kind of get forgotten you kind of get forgotten because in the big picture you're a cog and you're under contract and tough shit um, so he really doesn't know what's going on i kind of agree with him i don't know what's going on uh, i don't know where he falls now i don't know what he gets it's a bad deal for Gaethje who is always fun to watch more often than not gets a bonus, always goes for the finish. And, um, here's what he said. And I think this is a little bit of a mistake, but I think this is kind of him wanting to believe this. And I think this is where the logic gets a little faulty. And again, not to blame Gaethje because he is a professional fighter and what he heard is what he did. If I get disrespected, it's going to be hurtful because I really bought into what Dana talks about. So it'll hurt because I feel like a company man from day one. I don't ever want to go anywhere else. I don't want to fight anywhere else, but my principles are the most important thing to me. We'll see what happens. So in my mind, the, the fault in here is that company man, when the UFC has never shown a lot of faith, faithfulness to its company "Quote unquote," company people, and buying into what Dana White talks about, and and it, and someone like Gaethje, I think it would be easy to buy into that because, like he said, and like he knows, he's the fighter the UFC wants. He's the fighter the UFC has said from the earliest days of the Zufa era that this is the fighter we want. You could put a picture up, two pictures up, between Jim Miller and Justin Gaethje, and and say. Fight like one of these guys, both of these guys, take the best aspects of both these guys, and that's the perfect UFC fighter. And now, two days in a row, we've seen the perfect UFC fighter get perfectly disrespected and treated like shit. So, again, the message is, we really don't care about you all that much if we, for lack of a better term, own you because you're under contract. So... We'll see how this all plays out, but these are just more shots against how the UFC operates. And is there going to be a breaking point? I don't think so, but the UFC just keeps pushing it. And now it's pushed it with two of the most um, fighters you could describe as UFC fighters, UFC type fighters, the prototypical UFC fighter. And so where is the advantage of playing the UFC's game if the game ends up not in your favor at all. So we'll see what happens with Gaethje. Um not a person who keeps his mouth shut all that often. So we'll see if he can do so in this case or if he just opts to speak up and speak loudly. I would be I would I would like it if he spoke up and spoke loudly, but I'd also understand because of history if he did not. Talk a little bit here about the main event of UFC 260. So Francis Ngannou, um, his head coach, is saying that you know every day they are practicing wrestling and getting ready for Miocic and have been doing so since the loss. And here's what it says. We had to implement wrestling in every practice that we do. So it's not like one practice you're sparring or hitting pads. It's MMA. So every practice you have to focus on defending a takedown. Furthermore, you have to focus on taking guys down yourself. You have to have offensive wrestling just as important as your defensive wrestling. And he goes on and on about the wrestling. And here's the point where the awareness of what he is saying kicks in. And I, don't, and I think he knows this. I mean, I don't think these are empty words. We can talk about it till we're blue in the face, but you have to prove it. You have to show people everybody's going to have their doubts until you're able to implement. 100%. Um, I'm... I'm picking Miocić just because I I don't I don't know. I, I I don't know. And because I don't know and because of the ease in the first fight and that Engano hasn't hasn't shown the development that we're hearing about, I'm reluctant to pick him. Does he have the puncher's chance? Absolutely he has a puncher's chance. But he had the punchers chance in the first fight. And in 25 minutes, he never delivered on that. So um, the odds are, you know, Miocic is the underdog, which is one reason to pick him. Another is, I watched the first fight. Um, So I would hope that this is accurate. But in that fight, the first fight, uh, Miocic went 6 for 14 on the takedowns. It had control time of fifteen minutes. Since then, in in his winning streak here, we haven't seen anyone test Ngannou at all. It's just been punching and knockout, and maybe break a sweat and walk to the back and collect your check. So I don't know. I haven't seen anything that tells me different, and that's and that's why I'm unsure of the development and I'm also unsure you know practice is one thing you if you're drilling wrestling you're drilling wrestling and even if you're drilling it in a fight situation you're not in a fight so will the will the muscle memory be there for someone like Inganno to you know bite the takedown be able to get to his feet all that jazz I don't know I don't know so all the words are are for lack of a better term, empty to this point. That's not to say, again, that it's not true. That's not to say he can't defend takedowns, can't frustrate Miocic, can't win the fight. Absolutely can. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not, I'm, if I was betting, you know, cash on this, I don't know if I would put cash on this just because it's heavyweight and just because of the power. So I don't know. But my gut, my gut, and from everything I've seen, I have nothing that tells me that Engano has developed. I'll change my tune if he has developed, if I see him develop. But until then, uh, there's questions. And if you're ignoring those questions, I, I think that's a little crazy. Maybe crazy is the wrong word for it, but I think it's a little ignorant. And not dumb, but I think ignoring it is just that. You're ignoring it. You're You're, you're wearing blinders on it because we have seen nothing... To show us different. Anyway, enough about that. So Sean O'Malley I saw was just asked about the bullshit that went down on the podcast with Megan Anderson. And his teammate, the name escapes me, but it's not really worth repeating anyway. Because why give someone any kind of attention through their name when they really don't deserve it. The answer that O'Malley gave was, did he say anything wrong against Anderson, which was for the first sign that he's not too bright. And then he replied that you can't let someone, what someone says, affect you in any way. And then I'm thinking, didn't this guy lose to Chita Vera and is still in denial of that? And he did. And here's what he had to say about it. I don't know if this was before or after he spoke to Helwani, but it's just mind-boggling that you can, on one hand, say, don't let what other things, other bo- other one, other people think bother you or, or put any stock in that. And then meanwhile say, um, I feel undefeated. I don't feel I was beat because my skill set wasn't as good as his. It was a freak accident. How many leg kicks have been thrown since that kick to, n- to now? How many times has that happened? If you would have said, I'm going to go in there and kick his nerve, then it happened. I would have been like, this mf is good, and he is good. Cheeto is a good opponent, but the way the fight ended, watching the fight before that happened, I was controlling the fight. I was doing what I wanted. Here's the thing. The kick is designed to injure. That's what kicks do. Now, maybe his aim was extra super good that night. I don't know. But the kick is what stopped the fight. So... What is the thinking here? You can think you're undefeated. You can deny that you lost. But you have a loss, and everyone saw you lose, and everyone saw you lose because the kick made you, made you uh, ineffective, made you unable to continue. It was the kick. It wasn't a freak accident. A freak accident falling through a hole in the octagon. Losing by TKO from a legal technique to your leg is losing by TKO to via a legal kick to your leg. It's undeniable. There's no question. So, I don't know. Um, I think Sean Sean O'Malley is, I mean, I think he's young. I think he doesn't really get it. I don't think this is anything that he should keep talking about because it makes him look bad. It makes him look, Like he is in denial. And if you lose in anything, in any walk of life, in any situation, if someone gets the best of you, if whatever happens and you're on the wrong side of things, the best thing is not to deny it. The best thing is to look at it and then get better because of it. And I'm not seeing that here. And I'm definitely not seeing that in the way that he's dealing with his knucklehead teammate, speaking of Megan Anderson. So, uh, personal personality-wise, really, really unimpressed with Sean O'Malley. Just not, not a glowing um, personality. Just not. Doesn't seem like the kind of person I'd really want to hang around with or get to know at all. And he is fighting Thomas Almeida on Saturday. Big favorite. And so we'll see how he bounces back from this loss. Yes, loss to Cheetah Vera. A couple quick things. Jacare Souza is coming back to fight at UFC 262, and that surprises me. His last disclosed payday is $210,000, and I think he is on a three-fight losing streak. So it is very shocking that um, someone that's making that much money and is on a three-fight losing streak is coming back to fight in the UFC. Uh, so I don't even know if a four light fight losing streak will get him released. He's, um, I I think the UFC might be afraid that he's going to go elsewhere, which I'm sure he would and that his name would carry weight, but yeah, um, he's making a lot of money and he's not, um, winning. So I thought he for sure would be one of the guys that would uh, not be carrying on after that third loss. Misha Tate is coming back to fight in the UFC. She hasn't fought since 2016. She said she's feeling good and, and ready to go, and we shall see. Um I'm not gonna she's still how old is she she's only 34, so she could do something. Um she was never a bad fighter. She was always a gutsy fighter, and uh her losses, her last three losses were rousey in 2013. Uh, Nunez in 2016, and then Rocky Pennington again in 2016. So we'll see. Maybe the time off has done her well, and former champions, so she'll get some attention. Hopefully, the UFC is paying her well, and she can do she can do something in the uh, in the bantamweight division. I'm gonna assume um, this one: Hannah Goldie and Jessica Cabanet. The fight for UFC 260 has been called off because Goldie tested positive for COVID-19 and UFC showing that it has learned absolutely nothing from Hamza Chimaev and Paulo Costa and any other and Colby and Cody Cody Garbrandt rather book the fight for April 17th quick turnaround so we'll see what happens but maybe maybe UFC maybe make sure the fighters are healthy healthy before you're uh, rebooking them. Otherwise, this could get, you know, drag on and on and on. And if Goldie can't fight, well, then why are you, and she's positive COVID-19, why are you allowing the rebooking so close? That means she's probably going to train and that could affect her. Um, it affects her system and her immune system and that could slow her healing and could put the fight in jeopardy. So ideally, uh, the UFC stops booking, rebooking fights that fell out over COVID-19 until they find out the fighters are healthy and ready to go. Especially think that would have happened after the UFC, you know, almost lost at Shemaya for, for his career. And we still don't know what's happening, really, because Garbrand hasn't fought yet either. And, you know, Costa's having problems as well. So, who knows what's going to happen. Not a fan of booking fights until we know everyone's healthy. But UFC is going to UFC. I'll probably be back tomorrow to talk about the uh, UFC 260 fights a little more. Give a rundown of the main event and maybe give my picks. And you can tell me how wrong they are because... They're probably going to be wrong. And uh, until then, everyone stay safe.